Folks, we are doing uh, this series called Passing Through, because that's kind of a description of, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're just passing through in this world. This world is not the end. So you're here, so the question is, is how do you function here? How do you, how do you act as a believer in this world? Okay, and so that's what we've been looking at as we've been going through First Peter. So now we're up to chapter two. Last week he talked about uh, the importance of the reality of loving each other. Okay, loving each other within the church because we need to be a support for each other. So I want to talk today about spiritual growth and about loving each other because I want you to realize something: they're connected. Do you realize that? Do you realize that the Bible says an awful lot about how we interact with each other, reflecting where we are spiritually and even impacting where we are spiritually? So how we are with each other reflects something in our life, and it may even reflect something about your relationship with God. What are you talking about, George? Well, so for instance, we're going to see it a little bit later in this same book, in this same letter, good First Peter chapter 3. He's going to say to the guys, guys, you don't treat, uh, this is a George Cannon paraphrase, okay? You don't treat your wife right. I'm not listening to your prayers. Whoa. God doesn't hear my prayers? If I don't treat my wife right? Wow. So when we talk about how we are with each other, it's a serious thing. It's And so what we looked at last week, and we're going to discuss it a little bit more again today, is where I'm at spiritually is reflected in how I treat people. Where I'm at spiritually is reflected in how I treat people. Now, the problem is, here's the problem, we're all stunted in our growth. You know what I'm talking about when you talk about stunted growth? Parents talk about that all the time when their kids are small. You know, are they getting enough nutrition? Are they getting enough growth? Where are they at on the growth chart? I remember we we would go to the doctor, to the pediatrician with our kids, and they'd say, oh, they're in the 90-something percentile, so they're giants. Okay? And you've seen my boys, okay? So they are tall, okay? And uh, they keep growing. They got to stop at some point, don't they? Okay? Um, but we we understand stunted growth. Well, here's the thing. For a lot of us as Christians, we're stunted in our growth. We're stunted in our growth. Why? Well, I'm going to give you two points to think about. Number one, here it is. Relationships reflect the maturity of your spiritual life. I'm going to be honest with you. People will come up to me, and in, 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 you know, after in, in pastoring over twenty years, twenty-three years now. Okay, yeah, it's been twenty-three years. First time I pastored a church, twenty-three years ago. In pastoring for 23 years, it's it's always interesting to me. You'll meet people. Now, it's not true for people here in our church, but whenever you meet somebody new, they'll come up and they will always tell you as if this is some kind of reflection of who they are spiritually 
about what they're doing. Well, I was a chairman of the deacons and this, this, many, many churches, or, or I've taught Sunday school, this, 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 and, and I do this, and I do that, and I do this, and I do that. And they tell you about all the stuff they're doing and about all their spirituality and, and everything. And, and what I've grown to realize is I've learned how to just ignore it. Because to be honest with you folks, it's meaningless. Your spirituality is not based upon what you're doing at church. Because I've been around long enough to know that people do stuff at church and grumble the whole time. Do you know what I'm saying? They're hating it. Why are they doing it? Because somebody told me to do it. The test of spirituality, biblically, is your relationships with other people. If you really want to know where people are at spiritually, look at how they interact with others. Look at how they treat other people. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus, John chapter 13, by this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. That's the test of spirituality. That's the test of Christianity is how are you treating other people? Now that can be scary because we all have different personalities here. You know, do you know what I'm saying? Like you say, well, you got a lot of work to do, George, because yeah, I know. I've got a lot of work to do. So do you. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is the work that we need to do because relationships reflect the maturity of your spiritual life. Here's the second thing I want you to see, okay? Here's the second thing, because this is where we're at stunted growth here. Many ignore the basis for spiritual growth and maturity in their lives. Many ignore it. What do you mean they ignore it? Well, the emphasis in our church, in our churches, and I would even say in our church, hopefully it'll change now, the emphasis is not so much on the relationships, hopefully we're trying to, we're trying to do something different here and reflecting the church is not just an organization or something. The emphasis is on the doing things. Or you're saved now, so it doesn't matter. Just go ahead and do whatever you want to do. The result of that is, is that we're ignoring what the Bible says is the basis for spiritual growth in your life. We're ignoring it. So for instance, I'll just, give, I'll just I'll put a plug in here, but make a point. Hey folks, we offer Bible studies. We have Sunday school. We offer times for you to get together with people, whether it's at a picnic at the Louders, whether it's, uh, you know, doing a service project because we've got Operation Oil Change coming up here soon. We have times where you can interact with other people and they're not just service projects. They're not just fun times. They're not just Bible studies. All of them, every single one of them are opportunities for growth and maturity in your life spiritually. Every single one of them. Because there's a reason for them. The reason why we have a Bible study is not just that we get big-headed and know what the Bible teaches. The reason why we have Bible studies is to know what God's Word says, but it's also so that you can get to know the other people in that group and be encouraged and pray for each other and develop relationships with each other. 
The reason why a group of guys will get together and change oil to help folks in our church is not just to help folks in our church and do a service project, but to get to know each other. Serve Jesus together. The reason why we go and try to catch the big monster whale thing that's out at Denny's Pond and, uh, you know, and, and we'll be eating on some cheeseburgers and uh, sucking down some sweet tea and uh, sitting by the fire. That's a huge bond thing. And, you know, and playing horseshoes and volleyball. The reason why we're doing that is not just because we're there for a, a fun time because it's September and the third week of September and we don't have anything else to do. The reason why we're doing that is because we want to spend time with each other. And oftentimes in those times, you will be an encouragement to someone. Hey, you don't look good today. What's going on? Well, hey, I'll pray for you. See, we ignore the basis for spiritual growth in our life. Now, we're going to get into here into chapter 2, and he's going to continue on because before he talked about when God does a work in your life, it's going to be shown in your life by the way that you treat other people. So he's going to go with that and build on it because, you know, we like to say, well, the Bible tells me that I'm to love you. So, yeah, but love, what does that mean? Because that could be just an ambiguous thing out there. What does that mean? Well, now when we get into chapter 2, he's going to express what it means. He's going to put some feet to it. Because we're real easy at saying that we love people. In fact, one of the things, I, I, I'm glad nobody says it around here, but I remember years ago when I first started in ministry, I hear, even when I went to a Christian school, I hear people say, well, I love them in the Lord, but I can't stand them. What does that mean? Like, that's two separate different things. You're like, I don't like you, but I love you in Jesus. What is that? If you love them in Jesus, you need to like them, right? So I want you to notice with me. We're going to look at this passage together. It's going to be up on your screen. Just three verses. Looking at chapter 2, First Peter. Here's what he says. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now here's what we're going to see, folks. We're going to take these three verses, and we're going to talk about love's prohibition. Because he just told us to love, so now he's going to say, okay, if you're going to love, you can't do these certain things. And we're going to say that it's important that you don't do that. Then we're going to also see what our pursuit needs to be. If we're going to be loving people, we got to grow, okay? Because that the source of our love for each other has to come from somewhere, right? It's not going to come from inside of you because I'm going to be honest with you, you and I were corrupted. We're corrupted by sin. We're, we're selfish. And when you're selfish, all you're thinking about is just three people, me, myself, and I. You're not thinking about anybody else. So let's look at the issue of love's prohibition. Now here's why we have a prohibition about love. Because I don't know if you realize this, but you need to realize this. Every relationship, I want you to hear me, 
Every relationship, every I don't care how long your relationship. Oh, I've been together for forty years. Not, I don't care. Every relationship is perched on a razor thin edge. Razor thin. And all it takes is just one thing. And it'll destroy that relationship. Do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody understand me? Every relationship. Every relationship. You know, I hear young couple, we'll be able to face everything together. You don't even know what you're facing yet. And sometimes it's the stuff that comes from within, not the outside, that destroys you. So here's what he's going to say. He's going to say, okay, he's told us now, love each other. Love each other. So how do we do that? How do we do it? Well, he's going to start off here with a list of things you and I should not be doing with each other. So I'm going to make three points here. Look with me. Here's what he says. Verse 1, therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Okay, if you're going to love someone, you've got to lay these aside. Now, what does it mean to lay aside? Well, here's the first point I want to make. You are called to deal with the attitudes and actions that divide believers. You are called, I am called, to deal with the attitudes and actions that divide believers. Now, the selfish person... The person that's self-absorbed, the person that's focused only on himself, says, well, they need to change. They need to do this. They need to say this. They need to act this way. They need to quit doing this. Isn't that what we say? You're struggling in your relationship. Well, if only they would stop. It's only because they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. No, 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 no. Okay, I understand that, but what if they don't? Is that the justification? What the Bible says is, is you are to love each other, so I've got to lay aside, that is, I've got to deal with, I've got to get rid of the attitudes That'll cause division, and that's especially true in a church. You know, I, I've, I've had some folks say to me, man, I just love our church. I, I just love the f that we're there for each other and the warm family feeling. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been around a long time. Some of you have been around a long time. It can disappear like that. It'll be gone that quick. Why? One word. Self. Self. Self will destroy it. Why? Because when you have self, out of that comes actions, and out of that comes attitudes. And they always will what? Divide. So if you're going to love, you got to understand that love prohibits you from doing certain things. It wants you to deal with certain attitudes and actions because if you don't, it will divide the believers. It'll divide relationships. Do you understand what I'm saying? And whose responsibility is that? Well, it was their responsibility if they hadn't done that, if they only had said this. No, 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 no. Quit, quit, quit with that. Quit it. Stop. 
It's your responsibility. So here's two things he says right in this passage. First of all, he gives a list of actions and a list of attitudes as well. Here's what he says. First of all, he says, you've got to get rid of the attitudes that arise from self-centeredness. You've got to get rid of the attitudes that arise from self-centeredness. So let me go through the list, because these are all self-centered attitudes. He says, okay, therefore lay aside all malice. Now, I think we understand what malice is, isn't it? Malice is a attitude where you want to do wrong towards somebody. You know, years ago, my first church, there was a gentleman in our church, we, Lori and I loved him very much, but he had a problem. The problem was he, he had a streak of malice in his life. What do you mean a streak of malice? What he would do is, is he would joke about you at your expense. You ever had somebody? It's called coarse jesting. He would joke about you at your expense. He would go up to you, he'd be in a group of people, and he would put you down in a humorous way. And it was pure evil. It was malice. And I remember one time going to him because I talked to a guy, he was the object of that joking, and the guy said, I hate him, I wish he was dead. You say, whoa, what a reaction. That was the person who was on the other end of the joke. So I went to this guy and I said to him, you know, you've got to stop doing this. Well, they can't take a joke? That's not owning your stuff, is it? That's malice. You've got to put that away. Let's go on here. Here's the other one, because you say, well, I don't have that problem, George. I, I don't have a sense of humor, so I, I don't really need to worry about that one. No, no, but the list goes on here. Look at what it says. Lay aside all malice, all deceit. Deceit is what, folks? Lying, being deceptive with people, not being honest. Goes on there. Hypocrisy. I think we understand that one, right? That's being something that you're not. That's real easy to do in church, right? Because we're all actors here. Let's pass out some Oscars. Okay? Envy. What's envy? Oh, yeah, you know what envy is. Jealousy. Oh. Oh, so you got a new truck. You didn't even buy it used. Oh, it's, it's nice. Uh, so you're going out west for the big hunt? And you're taking your family down to Florida, to Disneyland? Oh, that's just wonderful. And inside you're like... What is he, some kind of big shot now? You start envying. It gets evil in your thoughts towards people. Envy. It's real. Hey, I'm not saying anything we haven't struggled with here, is it? Boy, you're talking about somebody else, George, because I don't have... No, no, these are real, folks. Envy, look at what else it says. Next one is evil speaking. We'll get that in a moment. But those are attitudes that arise from self-centeredness. And if we're going to exhibit what Jesus says, that is a true test of your spirituality, and begin to love everyone around you the way that you should, because you realize all relationships are on that razor edge, you've got to stop with these attitudes. I've got to stop with them. I've got to stop. 
Now, how do we get rid of them, though? You grow spiritually. You have to grow spiritually. You have to grow spiritually. Here, here, here's the second one. We kind of talked a little bit about as far as course jesting. It's, you must get rid of the right to speak evil of others. You must get rid of the right to speak evil of others. You gotta get rid of it. Somehow, for some reason, I, I, I'm, I'm including myself in this, so we're, we're all the same here. Does everybody understand? I'm talking about myself, I'm talking about you. Somehow, we think that we have a right to just speak our mind. Some, some people are bold with it. I just tell like it is. That immediately tells me there's no maturity there. But I can't condemn that person because I do the very same thing. I may not brag about it, but I and you will call somebody a piece of work. Well, he's just a piece of work. Or she's just a piece of work. Would you believe that? And we'll talk evil of other people. We'll, 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 we'll love him in Jesus. Oh, love you, Jesus. Get in the card. Can you believe that guy? And we'll talk bad about them. And, and here's the thing. If you're going to love as Jesus called you to love, if you're going to show spiritual maturity in your life, you gotta give up that right. Because all of us think, and I'm, I'm talking, all of us here believe we have that right to say whatever comes to mind when we think about some people. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? We all think we have that right. Here's the thing, we don't have that right. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you do not have that right. How do I know that? Well, the next passage I want to show you is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Here's a command from the Apostle Paul. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to hearers. What needs to come out of my mouth is something that will build people up, not tear them down. That's a command. Even when you are talking about, well, you know, when I talk about so-and-so, I'm just talking about it with some friends. Uh, you know, I mean, how am I going to build them up if I'm talking about them with so No, no, you're tearing down the people around you with your negative talk. Just being honest with you. So don't let evil come out of your mouth. In fact, there are other passages of Scripture that very clearly say don't speak ill of anyone. Of anyone. So this is what I am prohibited from. If I'm going to love people, if I'm going to work on relationships, I'm prohibited from doing this. Why? Because I already told you, relationships are on that thin edge that razor-thin edge, and all it takes is just one thing. And boom. It's busted. And in a church, that's devastating. And in a church, that's devastating. So what do we do about this, George? Well, we got to pursue something else. We have to pursue something else because, remember I told you we ignore, we ignore the, the basis for spiritual growth in our life, and I'm going to be honest with you folks, we ignore it quite a bit, but the greatest basis for spiritual growth in your life is this book. 
It's God's word. We've already talked about that last week. You want to grow? You want to get control of things in your life? you got to be in this book. You say, well, i got a book, but, you know, my grandmama gave it to me, and I can't even understand the words in it. That's not a good enough excuse. Then come talk to me, and we'll give you a Bible you can read. Well, I don't know where to start. Not a good enough excuse either. We have a Bible reading guide. We'll give you a daily bread. We'll give you a daily reading. Well, I don't, I don't have the education that you have, George. Uh, again, not a good enough excuse. The guys who wrote the Bible weren't sophisticately educated. They wrote it for common people to read it. You can understand it because you have the Holy Spirit that will tell you what it means. The reason why you haven't read it is because it's not a priority. And you and I struggle with that. Notice I said that. You and I struggle with making it a priority, but it is the basis of God's growth in my life. The spiritual growth in my life is God's word. So I'm going to give you three things to think about as we talk about the pursuit. It comes out of verses 2 and 3. He says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. All right, so what's he saying here in verse 2? Well, here's what he's saying. First thing, it's important that you desire to be nourished by God's word. It's important that you desire to be nourished by God's word. All right, now, all right, stop for a moment. Have y'all noticed babies? Have you, some of you, you know, have, have you noticed babies? Some of you, it, maybe it's been a few years since you had your little ones, but I, 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 can, I have vivid memories of my four. When they were hungry, they let you know. I mean, they let you know. They're, they're either rooting around or they're crying or, uh, and, and you know that it's, they either need to be changed or it's, they need a bottle or something, right? Why? Because they know that they need nourishment to grow. The same thing's got to be true in your life. You've got to recognize, listen to me, you've got to recognize that you need to grow. And the only way that you're going to grow is Facebook. No, the news. Trust me, you read news, you will not grow. You'll grow backwards. The only way you're going to grow is by God's word. Reading God's word. And letting him speak to you. and Letting him show you. Letting him comfort you through it. Letting him... Even rebuke you through it. It's important that you desire to be nourished by God's word. You say, well, George, I don't have that desire. Then start praying for it. Your growth is stunted to the point there that if you don't have a desire to read God's word, you need to ask him, God, help me. Create in me a thirst for your word. Create in me a desire to read your word. God, when I read your word, speak to me so that I can see that you are talking to me through it. you got to do that. Here's the second thing. It's only through God's word that you can grow spiritually. I have people every once in a while who tell me, well, you know, I'm, I'm really growing in the Lord. I said, wonderful, what are you reading? Well, I don't need the Bible. I don't need the Bible. What? That's not possible. 
If you don't have the Bible as a part of your life, you're not growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not growing. I don't care how mature you think you are. I don't care what kind of experiences you're having. You are not growing if you're not reading his word. If you're not allowing his word to strengthen your life and to challenge you, if you're not allowing his word to grow you from the inside out through the renewing of your mind, you're not growing. It's only through God's word that you will grow. Now, let's stop for a moment, okay? Remember what he just told us that we're prohibited from doing if we want to love everybody? No malice, no envy. Put away those attitudes. Don't speak evil of each other. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to come on its own. That's not just going to happen on its own. How does that, how does getting to the place of giving up that right to talk bad about someone, giving up those attitudes, how does that come? Through growing spiritually, and that only comes through what? Reading his word. Reading his word. Well, I come every Sunday and hear you, George. Really? You can tell I survive only on one piece of pizza a week. No. You can say you're getting an awful lot more than one piece, George. Yes. So will you. You need something more than just one message. You need something daily to nourish you spiritually. It's only through God's word that you'll grow spiritually. So then we come to verse 3, which is kind of like the reason why you need to be pursuing it because you're going to see something. Look at what he says in verse 3. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You want to know why you need to have that desire to, to, to get into God's word and what will create in you a greater desire for God's word is because you are seeing God do something. So here's the point. You know this to be true as you experience his grace in your life. When What he's doing here is he's quoting a psalm. There's a psalm that he's quoting from here, and it's, it's with reference to, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. That is, you experience God yourself and you'll see that he's good. So he's making reference to that Old Testament passage here to make the point to you that you need to put away all this stuff, desire God's word, and you'll know that it's true because you are seeing God do something through your lives. You're experiencing his grace. And you know what that causes you to do? It causes you wanted to read more have more of a relationship with him. Yeah, that's what it does. Okay, so let's let's wrap this up, all right? Because we're talking about relationships here, talking about loving, talking about growing spiritually. What do we do with this? Well, first thing you have to do is, is you have to own the level of spiritual maturity in your life. You have to own it. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Uh, that's not the time to say excuses. That's not the sign. Well, you know, I'd be somewhere further, but it's because of my mama. You know, if my mama hadn't been, been hounding me about the Bible all the time, you know, 
I probably would have had a better desire to read it. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with it. it it's because of that preacher. You know, you know, when, before you came, George, you know, I was going to this church, or maybe there was a pastor, or maybe it's even you, George. You, you know, a couple years ago, you were in a funk in your preaching, and it just bothered me. And, 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 and I just decided I had enough of that. And, uh, so it's you. No, it's not me. You gotta own it. If you're not growing, Spiritually, you gotta own it. You gotta own it. You are in charge of your spiritual maturity. I'm not. Did you understand what I'm saying? I'm not in charge of your spiritual maturity. I've never been in charge of your spiritual maturity. You are. You gotta do something about it. You, you, you. I gotta do something about me. You gotta do something about you. You gotta own it. And so that means you gotta be brutally honest with yourself. So how do you be brutally honest with yourself? First of all, I would start looking at how are you in your relationships with other people? Because that will express a whole lot about where you're at in your relationship with God. Period. And even as I'm saying that, that's convicting for me. So George, how are you treating your family? How are you treating your friends? You gotta ask yourself. You gotta be brutal about it. You gotta own the level of spiritual maturity in your life. So here's what you got to do. You got to get serious. You have to get serious feeding yourself with God's word. You got to get serious. You got to get serious feeding yourself with God's word. Now, there are some, we have lots of methods around here for you to do that. You say, okay, you're just trying to get me to come to the Bible study. Of course. Why wouldn't I? But you know what? You don't have to come to the Bible study. You just have to pick up your Bible and read it. Because I don't know where to begin. Then get a Bible reading guide out of the back. Right there on the back is a nice little shelf area with some Bibles, some prayer journals and stuff. Grab a Bible reading guide. If you have a smartphone, get the church app. There's devotionals, reading guides. How you can read it. Get the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. That has reading plans. You know, one of the most wonderful things is I see people that I'm friends with, only they start Bible reading plans all the time. That's wonderful. Get into God's Word. Get into God's Word. But you got to be the one to do it. Nobody else can do it for you. You know, nobody else can do it for you. You know, you know, we have kids, so sometimes, you know, we don't, sometimes we we're so busy, we don't have uh, set, a set, because of our schedule, we may not have a set meal. We'll just say to kids, okay, grab something, because they're old enough now, grab something for yourself from the fridge. Or I sometimes will have kids and we'll go to the picnic, and they're having so much fun, having so much fun, everybody else is chowing down on a burger and everything else, and by the end of the day, I'm hungry! Well, then you get a burger, no. Is there any left? No, there's none left. You were responsible for what? Feeding yourself. Hey, it's the same thing's true, folks. You're the one who's responsible for feeding yourself with God's word. So if you're going to exist in this world as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, as you're passing through, God has given you the means to grow. And it's the basis of everything else in your life. So take advantage of it. 
Let me pray for you.